out in basically lots of teenagers. So that particular, that particular day, I was walking into morning worship service on Dallas Baptist University campus at Super Summer. Okay, if you know anything about Super Summer, I was a green school team leader. Anybody been to Super Summer before? Oh, man, okay, I'm going to have to explain this to you a little bit. Um, we do something weird uh, where we have all these different schools that we split the kids in based on their grade. And, and really and truly, you just try to be obnoxiously that color. Um, all day, every day. So I am green school team leader, which means I have to be the most obnoxious. And so I believe on this day in particular, I had a green tutu. I think I had some shorts on that had toucans all over them. I believe I had my one of my husband's old lime green workout shirts, uh, green bandana, green war paint. We were all in. Okay, so that is where I was June 24th, 2022. Okay, I am walking into a very reverent worship service in my green tutu. Um, But nonetheless, I was ready for a day of really great Bible study, uh, crazy hot outdoor games, terrible cafeteria food, wacky chants, but most of all, discipling students, no matter what it took, even a tutu. But as I walked into chapel that morning, my phone was in my backpack, and it just started vibrating like crazy. I usually have my phone on silent when we're um, at events like that because you know how teenagers are. Like, you really have to give them your full attention. Number one, you have to make sure they're not climbing the walls. But number two, if you want to really connect with them, then you have to be fully present to connect. And so my phone has been lost in my backpack for a solid four days now. And so I hear it buzzing, and I'm like, oh, goodness. And it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Maybe I should answer this. And so I flip my backpack around, and I'm digging in it, and I can't find it anywhere, and it keeps buzzing. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I finally find it. I pull it out, and I have more notifications on my screen than I have ever had before. Text messages, missed phone calls, emails, like urgent messages. It was, it was insane. And every single one of them had the same exclamation. Lauren, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Lauren, have you seen the news? Lauren, are you where you can talk? Girl, you have got to answer your phone. Lauren, big things are happening. What happens now? And then my favorite one said this. Hey, Lauren, welcome to post-Roe America. Oh, it was beautiful. And in that moment, I absolutely froze. The world was moving around me. There were teenagers everywhere, but I couldn't move. That realization that abortion was finally illegal in Texas sunk in. The tears just started falling involuntarily. I mean, it just, there was no stopping it. I just was in awe. I found a quiet little foyer in, in quiet little corner in the foyer, and I just remember I just sunk to the ground as I sunk into the reality that this, this was truly happening. As I read the celebrations from board members, fellow pregnancy center directors, my team at Hope Center, and precious friends and family, I was just so grateful. You know what I thought of in that moment? You know that song um, Cody Carnes sings? It's like, don't you tell me he can't do it? It was that. I just kept thinking, like, won't he do it? Look at him. He's doing it. Won't he do it? And it was just such a beautiful way to spend that day. $63 million. 885,204 abortions had been legally committed since 1973. That count halted in Texas this summer. Praise the King. 
President Ronald Reagan issued a presidential proclamation on January 13, 1984, designating Sunday, January 22, 1984, as National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, noting that it was the 11th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, in which Supreme Court issued a ruling that guaranteed women access to abortion. I stand here today, 39 years later, able to celebrate this day with a fresh hope. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Abortion is not a constitutional right. And praise the Lord, we get to say that out loud. We don't just have to hope that. We get to say that. So since that day in June, yes, clap, absolutely, we have seen the onslaught of evil responses to this legislative victory. I just need to be honest with you guys about this. I have seen, I have had several of my friends who've watched their pregnancy center burn to the ground. Um, We have received threats ourselves. I've experienced an interesting slew of Internet attacks, my favorite, from a girl I knew in junior high. Um, And, you know, at one point we had a group of uh, hackers and terrorists try to hack into our website and fill every single one of our appointment slots, every single one. And so we had to go back through one by one because you don't know which ones are real and which ones aren't. So we had to go back through every single one and call these numbers. Oftentimes they gave us a number to an abortion facility or Planned Parenthood or even worse, another pregnancy center. So we're jamming those phone lines. Um, And we had to go through one by one and make sure that the people who truly needed our services were getting them. It was just really frustrating. We, um, you know, in just the last two weeks, we've even seen the divided house. Y'all have watched this. Try to decide if a baby born after an attempted abortion who was born alive deserves to have life-saving measures be taken on it or not. I just, it's just remarkable to me that we could be okay with those babies being left to die after the Lord obviously pulled them from the pit of despair. I just can't. And here's the thing, guys. I don't say this to be vulgar or to make you cringe. I say this because I think it's time we wake up. We've got to wipe the sleep from our eyes, and we've got to get real about what we're fighting here. Principalities of evil, they're not afraid of the truth. They have no regard for it. And we should not be afraid of the truth either, but hold it in the highest regard. The more we know, the more honest we are with ourselves, the harder we can fight. Misinformation is only believable if you don't know the truth. Mm. So we simply cannot afford to turn our eyes from reality because of its brutality. That will only serve to make us vulnerable to the devil's schemes. Do we see that? Do we see that? So here's the truth. Abortion isn't legal in the state of Texas, praise the king, but it is in New Mexico, Colorado, Mexico, Kansas, just to name a few places, which are all a simple day trip away. Companies and pro-choice groups are offering free flights and Disneyland tickets to those seeking out-of-state abortions. We had a client recently come to us and tell us that in a Planned Parenthood she went to, 47 miles from our location, I've mapped it, they direct you to a certain bathroom stall on a certain floor of their facility where you can scan a QR code and have instant access to all the abortion resources you could want. It is vile. While it isn't legal here, it is accessible. And friends, can we be honest with each other for a moment? While courts and legislature can make abortion illegal, only God, through his church, can make it unthinkable. And that's where we're going. That's where we want to be headed. This is an amazing opportunity for the church to step up and make a difference in this issue. Women and men will need churches to walk alongside them in crisis, caring for them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The fight 
is fresh. We've gained, we've gained ground. We have. But it's no time to rest, friend. It's no time to rest. So moving our focus from making abortion illegal to making it unthinkable requires a reality check. It's easy for individuals to miss the value in a tiny, unborn human if they haven't truly accepted the value that they have in Jesus Christ. The abortion issue in our world is not a behavior problem that can be fixed with laws. It's a heart problem that can only be transformed through the truth of Jesus Christ. That's hard, though, right? Like, do, can, we, can we just say, take that in for a minute, that it's not a behavior problem, it's a heart problem? So we see this tension all the time in parenting, right? We tend to parent towards a behavior. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't climb on that, right? We tend to parent towards a behavior because consequences are easy to hand out. If you do this, I will, right? Or this is against the rule, so you have to blank, Right? Those consequences are easy to hand out. It's easy to parent towards behaviors. We focus on outcomes rather than root causes, and sometimes that gets us in trouble. As Christ followers, we're called to disciple our children. So take a moment, take a breath, and be the parent who just witnessed their child disobey or who just witnessed their child mouth off to them and remain calm hard to do with red hair get down on their level and remind them that that is not the way that christ commands us to speak to those we love and then coach them through trying again there's such a difference there because that's discipleship we read this call to discipleship and the job description for each of us believers in matthew 28 18 through 20 i want to read it for us right quick Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It does not say, go and beat the devil out of those who do evil. It does not even say, go and make bad things illegal. It says go and make disciples. Make. Teach. I looked up the definition of make. And you know what struck me the most? The synonyms. Y'all ready for these? Cause. Compose. Form. Generate. Manufacture. Prepare. Produce. Accomplish. Making is a process, friends. Hear that again. Making is a process. Making disciples, causing those that are in a place of hardship with a natural affinity for the comforts of the flesh to reach a heart posture where they can make a decision that is selfless, that's no simple task. And it certainly doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen in a single moment. It happens over time and with continued commitment. That is what Hope Center stands to do. From medical services to professional counseling, Medicaid application help to parenting education, we truly are committed to discipleship. 
and by supporting the mission and ministry of Hope Center. You're committed to that, too. We start by meeting physical needs. We see that modeled by Jesus in the Bible. Women call us, usually in the midst of a swirl of unknowns, and we offer sanctuary, a safe place to get solid truth. They meet with the nurse, receive their pregnancy test results, and start processing what that means. While they're focusing on making decisions, we're focusing on making disciples, sharing truth, staying in contact, offering all we have to build a relationship of trust as we speak to their physical, emotional, and mental needs so that we can reach that place where we're able to minister them, minister to them in a spiritual way. It's beautiful. Making abortion unthinkable requires us to help our clients see the value of life and the gift of parenthood. We have to rewrite the story that hard and uncomfortable things in life should be avoided. We have to rewrite that story. For most of our clients, fear is their motivator. And knowing that, we seek to dismantle those lies of fear that we know come from the enemy. Adding a licensed professional counselor to our center has been a game changer. Reaching our patients at a deeper level, offering them a much-needed but wildly inaccessible service that tends to their mental health has really just deepened the way we're able to serve them. It's just—it's truly been miraculous to see that. As we continue this relationship with them, our goal isn't just to help them see that parenting is attainable, but that it's enriching. It's good. Yes, kids are crazy. I have a seven-year-old. He's insane. But he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. It has refined me. Parenthood has refined me in a way that I didn't even know was possible. It's also put a magnifying glass on the very worst parts of me. Can you all attest to that? Like, mama's in this room. Like, have you ever seen yourself and be like, whoa, that was ugly. I need to go to the Lord about that. Right? But if you haven't been taught that, if nobody's come alongside you and said, hey, this, this, this part of life where you're, you're going to be stretched and pulled and you're going to think, oh, that's the end of me. Good. Because you know what comes after the end of you? Surrender. Jesus. When you realize you don't have it all together, you realize you have somebody you can call on who does. It's beautiful. But the problem is not every woman's been taught that. The pleasure is that we get to be the people who do. We do. That was not on here. (laughs) But it was good. Okay. (laughs) Guys, it is just such a joy. And I want to share this with you guys. To see our clients move from that space of being terrified, overwhelmed, unsure, defeated, to joyful, confident, equipped, hopeful, That is the power of Jesus Christ. We may go through 500 packages of diapers each month and scratch our heads about how we're going to be paying for that, but we will gladly do that because the real value is this is more than free diapers. This is hope. This is hope. Last December, I got to hold one of our sweet hope babies whose mama came in to see us in the throes of a really hard situation when she found out she was pregnant. The baby's father was arrested the day before she got that little pink plus sign. She had left her family for that relationship and found herself abandoned, 
shocked by his incarceration and pregnant without a plan. I remember her first visit so vividly. And when she walked in and she just was sunk in on herself and she just looked just in despair. It was so hard, even just to witness it. It was so hard. She just sat in the chair and sunk in on herself. Like, truth, like I can picture her in my mind. But friends, in December, when they stopped by after her sweet little baby's well check, that mama walked in with confidence. She's been reunited with her family. She's in a job she loves, and she's safely separated from the child's father. We've walked through every step of that with her, helping her gain courage to share the news with her family, helping her get medical care, helping her work through the shame, helping her find solid footing as a new mom, and helping her reconnect with a spiritual community and a body of believers so that she can continue that support long after we're around. The transformation was remarkable. And, you know, it's not because it hasn't been hard for her. It's been very hard. Like, put yourself in those shoes, even if you knew the outcome, even if you knew you were going to be in a place of confidence, you know, 14 months later. It's still going to be really hard to walk through that, right? She's been through court. She's been through custody battles. And that girl worked her tail off. But she met Jesus. And she started believing what he said about her. And what the world said started drowning out. She stopped by that morning because she wanted us to see her baby girl's first picture with Santa. I just cannot even. It was the cutest thing ever. She was looking at, anyway, okay, she was looking up at Santa and it was just like the perfect moment. But I got to hold her that morning and I'm notoriously the baby snatcher. Like you bring a baby in, I'm like, that will be mine, thank you. You can have it back when you leave, maybe. But I'm holding this sweet baby and her newborn smell, you know that smell. It's just like permeating the waiting room, right? And my staff is all like ogling over her and her little coos are just, oh, they're just the best. But in that moment, it was kind of an out-of-body experience. You know, I see all of this happening and I hear her telling us about how the photo shoot with Santa went and everything. And it's just everything drowned out. And I just had to just pause in gratitude to the Lord and just thank him for those stories that are so common at Hope Center. And, you know, actually in those moments, as I'm just pouring out my heart of gratitude, I thought of you guys. I knew I would be here this morning, and it's just amazing that I get to share stories like this because donors like you make stories like that possible. I want you to picture this, okay? Go here with me. You get the Hope Center year-end report next December. You read the stories of hope between making batches of cookies with your own kiddos or grandkids all gathered around. And not only are you able to spend quality time with them, celebrating the Lord's faithfulness for these mamas, but you think back to this day, right here with them, when as a family, you decided to pour in to the mission and the ministry of Hope Center with prayer and support. You smile that day, knowing that you're teaching them to take the blessings that they're receiving at home and bestow it on another family. That is discipleship. As you consider investing in the work of Hope Center this morning, either through monetary donations, 
Being a part of our prayer team or volunteering in the center, my prayer is that you find it to be a clear avenue of discipleship within your family. I can't wait to be back here with you guys this time next year. Look, it was even written in my thing. I know I'm coming back. And hear how investing in Hope Center has turned out to be a wonderful investment in your family as well. I promised you guys I wouldn't be long this morning, and I want to hold true to that. But I also just want to take a moment to sit in this with you guys as a body of believers. We're called to act, right? And if we want abortion to be unthinkable and not just illegal, that's dependent upon us. We can't wait for other laws. We can't wait for someone else. You know, with that if not you, then who? If not us, then who? Right? And as we stand in this moment, we can't just change the channel, right? We can't. Like we can on so many of those uncomfortable commercials where they have the sad puppy dogs. Or or we can't just avert our eyes because we're driving down the road and we don't want to see what's happening over here. We can't do that. Friends, we have to sit in this. We have to sit in the hard and uncomfortable, just like we tell these women who come to us, that hard and uncomfortable doesn't mean you have to run from it. It means you have to work through it, right? And so if the Lord is tugging on your heart, if this feels uncomfortable, if this feels hard, do something about it. Now is the time. And so they're going to play a little bit for us. And here's what I want us to do during this time. I want you to ask the Lord what it looks like for you to be a body of believers in post-Row America? What does it look like for you as an individual to be a Christ follower, meant to model after him in post-Row America? What does that look like? I can't tell you. I can't. T- I would tell you to write the biggest check you can. But he may have other plans for you. He may have other plans to use you. He knows your giftings. He knows how he's wired you. He, know how, he knows how he's created you. And so, friends, I ask you this morning, petition the heavens. Ask him, Lord, what do you have for me? What does it look like for me? What does obedience look like for me today? And so I want to pray for us, and I want to just open up this altar. Maybe, maybe as I talked about, you know, you wanting to disciple your kids and, and us talk about what that looks like, you need to have that conversation right there in your seat with, with your spouse or with your family. Uh, maybe that's a conversation you need to have. Or maybe you need to come up here and say, Lord, what is my response to be this morning? What do you have for me? Or friend, maybe you've believed the lie that you aren't worth living. Right? Maybe your life is in danger. Not just here physically, but what about eternally? Have you surrendered that to him yet? It's really, really hard to convince others that they have value if you don't first believe it for yourself. And that value isn't something that you can earn by what you, what you do here on earth, right? It's that value, that price has already been set. Christ paid it. You don't have to take the discount rate. He already paid full price, friends. So maybe this morning you just need to really accept that. And you need to be honest with yourself that you've been cashing in on those discounts, that you've been taking less for yourself than what the Lord has called you to. And so I don't know what your response needs to be this morning, but I just want to open up this time for you to spend just intentional time questioning the Lord. Father, we're so grateful that you're so accessible to us. 
that as we sit here and as we process through what this means, Father, as, as we grasp your greatness, Lord, that we can just come and sit at your feet and ask. And God, I pray that as we have this time to really just speak with you, that you're honored by our questions, that you meet us here, Lord, that you're clear with us about what obedience and next steps look like, Father. I pray that you help us to be a body who disciples, even those who look unlovable. Reveal, reveal your plans to us now, Lord. Make it so clear. It's in your name we pray. Altars open. Talk with, talk with your family there. Decide what your response needs to be this morning. We'll leave it open for just a little bit, and then I will pray us to close.